0: Hello, entertainment law nerds, enthusiasts, and aficionados, and welcome to the Dentons Canada Entertainment Media Law Signal Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Tarantino, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Caitlin Choi. Caitlin, how are you? Hi,
1: Bob. I'm great. How are you? You're always
0: asking me how I am. Oh, I'm good. Nobody cares how I'm doing. It's fine. (laughs) But today, we're joined by our colleague, Ken Dollywall, and we're going to be talking about careers in Canadian entertainment law. So we'll be hearing not just from Ken, but also from Caitlin. Caitlin's in the early stages of her career and Ken, well, Ken's in the twilight years of his career. (laughs) So we'll get a chance to see how they both became entertainment lawyers, what their practices look like, and some tips that they can offer for people who are interested in pursuing entertainment law or honing their craft if they're already entertainment lawyers. Ken's been peer rated as most frequently recommended in the annual Canadian Legal Lexpert Directory Annual Survey and is consistently recognized in the Lexpert American Lawyer Guide to the Leading 500 Lawyers in Canada and as one of Canada's leading entertainment lawyers and best lawyers in Canada. In 2014, Ken was awarded the Lexpert Zenith Award in recognition of his career accomplishments. And in 2015, he was awarded a Crystal Mentorship Award from Women in Film and Television Toronto, or WIFT. So Ken, in a previous episode, we established that David Steinberg is the Ringo of the entertainment group. Which Beatle are you?
2: Who are the Beatles? No, I'm kidding. That's Caitlin. <laughs> Vine. Um, uh, I, I I thought about this. Uh, I, I really need to be George. I need to be, even though he was the youngest and I'm not the youngest, I feel like his personality is more like me than the others. You're, you're obviously Paul because you're good looking.
0: Right. I'm the um, cute one. Yeah. You're, that's you're the one. One. David's,
2: David's Ringo. Um, <laughs> I have to be George.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sort of brooding kind of yeah. underappreciated. Yeah, I got it. Mysterious. Mysterious.
2: Nice. Excellent. This is a mysterious face. You can't <laughs> see it on the podcast.
0: <laughs> so, before we get too far into our discussion, our usual disclaimer
1: The contents of this podcast do not constitute legal advice, so please reach out to us or other counsel if you require guidance on your specific legal matters.
0: So, thanks for joining us today, Ken. What we're hoping to do is give people a sense of what it takes to become an entertainment lawyer, what it is to be an entertainment lawyer, and potentially give some guidance as to how people can either improve their chances at becoming an entertainment lawyer or just improve their day-to-day practice if they're already practicing. So when did you know that you wanted to be an entertainment lawyer?
2: So, um, I mean, for me, it was probably quite late in my sort of legal sort of uh education i did not go into law school uh even knowing about entertainment law really i didn't even know it existed as a practice and it was i went in into you know doing constitutional law in my political science undergrad and then you know probably six classes into constitutional law at law school i realized i was never going to do constitutional law and so it was i think my career has been literally a process of elimination from the time i got into law school to the time i actually settled on this and that was because you know i i tried constitutional law and law school didn't love it i articled in a firm at he needed like with essentially three areas there was uh, litigation labor and employment and corporate law and you know i i i gravitated towards corporate law because that's what i liked and also because i wasn't really ever of the mindset of being a litigator that's not my personality and in terms of labor and employment, while I liked it, and while we still do sort of, you know, crossover work in that area. Um, it wasn't really also my personality it was very much an advocacy type thing where I, I liked contract and I like sort of making deals and bringing people together. So I guess, you know, so I fell into I sort of by process of elimination fell into this area and an opportunity arose when I was at Hena Blakey in my, I'd say my third year where we were doing you know we back then we were doing corporate law. We did a lot of work in the entertainment space, but that was tax shelter, tax-driven uh, transactions. In my third, around my fourth year, I got an opportunity to go in-house and work at a client's production company. And I came, I did that for a year and I came out and I realized this is really what I want to focus on. And I, I think that really helped me sort of decide, not that I, I was kind of gravitating towards that anyway, because we were doing work in the area, I was doing work in the area, but that, that sort of sealed the deal.
0: And so what was it about it that sealed the deal for you? Like, what made it an attractive area and something that you could see yourself spending the rest of your career doing?
2: I think ultimately it comes down to the clients are super interesting. I think that the clients that I dealt with in the other areas that I practiced in, they were interesting. You know, businesses were neat and, you know, whether they were making widgets or whatever. But the entrepreneurial clients that we had and we still have uh, in this space are are really quite incredible, you know? So our, our practice has already, has obviously changed dramatically from 20 years ago to now where we represent banks and studios and, and much more sort of traditional. But what I really enjoy, I enjoy working with people who are entrepreneurial, who are smart, often more often than not, much, much smarter than I am, and much more, you know, they want to do something and they want to create. That's the other part of it, that they were creating something that was tangible. Like I I was never going to sort of, you know, Uh, get excited about working on a pharmaceutical deal not that that's not great but working on a tv show or on a film that to me was much more interesting because i might see it you know i might actually watch it
0: so caitlin i'd love to get some thoughts from you on this because as i understand it your path to entertainment law was, was quite a bit different so it sounds like for ken entertainment law was something that he discovered once he started practicing law Whereas for you, I understand that entertainment law was something that you had been thinking about much earlier on.
1: So I went into law school thinking that I might want to practice entertainment law. Like Ken, I was interested in working with creatives, but I also had an interest in the arts and entertainment space personally. So I thought, why not try and work in that world as well? I just started telling people that I was interested in entertainment law. And really luckily, I got some early opportunities to solidify that interest. Um, First I was connected with an alumni mentor at law school who is an entertainment lawyer, shout out to Jordan Namias, and he became an important resource to me for uh, learning a bit more about the entertainment bar in Toronto and what kind of legal work was being done in the space. And then he gave me my first summer job as a 1L where I got exposure to production side work and other entertainment lawyers who also became mentors. And then in 2L, I went through the OCI process, as many do, and ended up at Denton's, largely because of the entertainment group. And for those who don't know, I summered an article here. And when I was being hired back as an associate, the group happened to meet a junior because Jamie, our senior associate, was going into her fourth or maybe fifth year at that point. And so it was really lucky timing.
0: Nice. And so, Ken, just picking up on that theme of mentorship, because I know that, you know, your own efforts as a mentor have been recognized over the years and and we salute them. Um, Is there anybody that played that mentorship role for you while you were sort of thinking about being an entertainment lawyer in the early years of your career as an entertainment practitioner? So
2: um, the short answer is no. And and there's a little bit of an explanation behind that, because the so we, you know, again, you know, the the partners in our group, we kind of, we've grown up together. There's, we've been together 20 odd years. In the firm that I started at, he and Blakey, there was really no one that held, like, as I said earlier, we didn't really do entertainment law the way we do it now. We did a type of corporate law that was in the entertainment space. So what, I, I mean, we kind of, and I think I've used this analogy before, we've kind of taught each other, the three of us, uh, in the first couple of years of trying to build a practice that went beyond. The transactional sort of tax shelter work we were doing, we really learned with each other, and we didn't have anyone in the group. Not that they weren't great lawyers; They're, they've been great lawyers that I I view as mentors from a corporate and transactional point of view, from a, a work life work balance point of view. But not in the entertainment space. In the entertainment space, in our in our firm, there wasn't really anyone as we were growing up, and so um, it's been it's been a, an interesting process that way.
0: And so were there people, whether at the firms that you're practicing at or otherwise, that you looked at and saw not necessarily as mentors, but but as sort of inspirations, like somebody that you sat there and said, oh, that's the kind of practice that I want to
2: have? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There. I mean, it, again, the bar, the bar is small, right? Our it, the Canadian entertainment bar is quite small. So. There were there were a number of lawyers and, and some of them are still practicing today, you know, at other firms that, that we that are, are friendly competitors that I really admire and I really admire that the way that they've built their practice up and the way that they are able to do things. Like David Zitzerman at Goodman's, Carolyn Stamegna at Goodmans are people that I, I really respect and, and and have known for twenty odd years. David's not and Carolyn are not much older than me, but they're definitely sort of, you know, people that you look at and and think this is this is kind of a nice a nice practice. It's a nice thing to have. Uh, there, there aren't a lot of very senior people, like much older in, in our bar. So it's not like we have, like in, this, in the U.S., in, in L.A. in particular, they've got people who've been practicing 40 years that are still, you know, sort of people that, are, that people look at. Here they tend to get to a senior point and sometimes they'll stop practicing or they'll become producers. We have a couple of ex-partners from who are who are producers.
0: And Caitlin, I mean, you've had exposure to people who are very old, uh, like David Steinberg, <laughs> who's still practicing. Um, but does anybody? Oh, thank uh, you. thank uh, you for not saying
1: me. Only because you're here,
0: Does anybody in the firm or outside the firm sort of play that role for you, whether as a mentor or as kind of a, something to aspire towards in terms of what their practice looks like?
1: Yeah, I'm constantly looking to mentors both within and outside the firm, as well as within and outside the entertainment space. But in terms of my day-to-day entertainment work, I really look to everyone in our group. Um, As you know, our group in Toronto has about six lawyers, including myself, and everyone has their own areas of expertise. So I try and take advantage of that breadth of mentorship that is available to me and, you know, use that to grow my own practice.
0: And so actually, why don't we, just pivoting off of that, what what does a typical week look like for you, Caitlin? What kind of things are you working on in an average week, if if there is such a thing as an average week for you?
1: really varied. So I should probably say that right now I'm splitting my practice. I work both in the entertainment group and in the corporate group at large. And so a typical week might involve uh, a non-entertainment M&A transaction, as well as you know a financing transaction for a production and then I'll also be working simultaneously on production contracts for another one of our clients and it sort of adds and flows back and forth between those areas
0: and Ken is that similar Does that describe your situation as well or what does a, an average week look like for Ken Dollywall in the office or or working remotely as the case may be
2: yeah I, I mean my um my, the practice that I have is is uh, so it's solely focused on the entertainment space so, Um, And my clients will be sort of banks. So I'll work on some financings Uh, over the course of a week. I'll work on producer side work, which is right now a lot of development while we're not actually in production. So getting, getting productions ready to go. And, um, and as you get more senior uh, in in a firm like this, you tend to wind up taking on some management and um, other duties. So the my week will also consist of sort of you know group planning, management type stuff, you know that kind of stuff. So it's it's varied, but I you know the practice is uh, pretty much entirely focused on the entertainment space.
0: So just picking up on that the management issue, like do you have any control over the budget? Like is there any way you could get us
2: some money? So <laughs> that... the well after the you know you need to you need to demonstrate a better soundtrack. You have to go to top tier artists, not David Steinberg. And that, that way, you know, we we can probably negotiate something, but, you know, what we saw in the first or the second uh, podcast was not, not going to get us a lot of money. I think it's worth every penny of the 37 cents you paid. (laughs)
0: Fair enough. Um, And so... I mean, I'd like to talk about the broader group. So, how is it that your practice fits into the broader group, Ken? Like, are there things that you do that that your colleagues don't do, or vice versa?
2: So, I think over over time, you know, we the call, you know, I think at a certain level. So, Bob, you are you're senior enough. You know, you, myself, David, Jim have probably done most if not all aspects of of entertainment space uh the where i draw where i prefer to work and i maybe what i don't i'm better off saying what i don't do so music is something i don't love so the music side i would go to you or david um that that's pretty much the one area live theater we've done a little bit of that we don't really do a ton of that but for the most part i you know my focus is film and tv Uh, both producer and financing, and my sort of subspecialty is uh, co-production. So international treaty co-productions are what I really enjoy doing. And I think probably in the group, I do more of those than, than other folks. So,
0: yeah. Interesting. And so, you know, it sounds like the way that your practice has developed, you've mentioned it was sort of in conjunction with, you know, Jim and David and then me later on. And so Caitlin, for you coming into a group where the kind of, specializations already exist so you can kind of look at you know what Jamie does or what David does or what Ken does and and identify what it is that they focus on how do you handle that like how do you navigate that do you sort of look at that and say oh okay well there's things that people aren't doing so I want to focus on that or do you sort of gravitate towards people that are doing things that you want to be doing like film and tv or music Or, or how does that work out for you in terms of plotting what your career is looking like going forward.
1: Yeah, so I, th- I think as a junior, you wanna try and cast a wide net because you never know where to come. But, so, so I do try and get some experience in all aspects of the practices we offer in our group, just to figure out if I like it as well. You won't really know until you try it. That being said, I did want to split my practice, entertainment and corporate, so that I get some more Mergers and acquisitions experience, some fund formation experience, some general corporate experience that might present an opportunity to use within the entertainment space, which we may not do a ton of work there now. Um, So I'm, you know, I thought maybe I could fill out that space if the opportunity arises in the future.
0: Cool. And so, just to end, I'd love if both of you could provide maybe one or two or three tips or pieces of advice or guidance that you'd give to somebody who's either interested in, in practicing in entertainment law or is already practicing in the area and would like to continue their career in that space. What, what would your top pieces of advice be? So we'll start with you, Ken.
2: So no, I think that the, if someone is looking to get into the space, I think people just don't don't be discouraged um because it isn't easy it's uh, as i mentioned earlier it is a small bar um this is not this is not an area of law where you've got thousands of lawyers practicing in canada so uh don't be discouraged number one number two be open to potentially uh going to la uh la is the center of the world in our in our space and i think um I know i know jamie spent some time down there doing a, a term and she she gained some invaluable sort of uh relationships i think I think being open to that is really important because, again, this is a small pond. There are bigger ponds. LA is a bigger pond. New York is a bigger pond. London is a bigger pond. Um, But don't get get discouraged. If they can, I would suggest get in with a firm that practices this because it's very hard to start with your own, just putting up a shingle and saying, I want to do entertainment law. I don't, and you can do it, but it's very hard because clients, again, go to people that they know or firms that they know, and I think that's just something to be be
0: aware of. Great, and Caitlin, any any tips or pieces of advice you'd like to hand out?
2: Yeah, so,
1: so first I think definitely put yourself out there. Like I said earlier, for me, so much of the path so far has been luck and timing, and that's just, you're gonna have more of that opportunity the more people you meet, the more you put yourself in front of them at every opportunity you get. You just never know when someone's going to need a junior or a student. So get out there. And then secondly, I think find the people that you want to learn from, the lawyers who have practices that you want to emulate or who just operate in a manner that you think suits you and you would learn well from them because I think whether they're entertainment lawyers or not, that's going to give you the foundation you need to to carve out your own path as you go forward.
0: Very cool. Well, thanks, Ken, for taking the time to speak with Caitlin and I today. We appreciate you uh, joining us and and giving some insight into how you became an entertainment lawyer and, and what you're continuing to do as an entertainment lawyer. Feel free to reach out to any of Caitlin, Ken, or myself. We're always happy to share advice on becoming an entertainment lawyer or practicing as an entertainment lawyer. And so we'd like to thank you again for joining us on the Dentons Canada Entertainment Media Law Signal podcast.